Welcome to episode 14 of Flowering of the Human Spirit, a podcast about Edinburgh without its festivals. And in this year 2020, where it's the first year since 1947, where we have no festivals. So that's no fringe, no book festival, no tattoo, no art festival. Uh, we're we're missing we're missing out on also the the jazz festival and the just festival. We are not having all of these millions of visitors that we normally see coming here every year and the place is quiet and in fact much quieter than even just regular times because of the continuing restrictions around COVID-19. So I'm going to be talking today about the, the book festival which is starting tomorrow, launching tomorrow online and go to the book festival website edbookfest.co.uk to check out that program because you can sign up for the events there and watch them online so much good stuff really fantastic diverse and interesting program as per usual Uh, i'm also going to be talking about the some of the wider context of the festivals um whether they are able to take place next year or not you know but the future of the festival um in terms of economic factors and also in terms of politics and the internationalism of scotland and it's a bit of a ramble but i think that these are some of the things that i would like to delve into more and discuss more and if you have any thoughts then you're more than welcome to get in touch and please do uh, in, in a variety of, of ways you can do that on the Anchor FM page you can you can send me a message on the button or you can send me a message via Twitter uh, flowering of on Twitter you can follow us um, the and the some of the listeners have been sending me in some great messages and thoughts and and, and flagging up interesting news that's coming out uh, as it happens so there's been lots of news um about festivals over this month and so i've been trying to look at that as well as reflecting on just the environment and following my senses so coming up uh, i was recording in the meadows and you can hear very clearly in fact on the recording a bagpiping man who was marching in fact uh, he was marching across the meadows as he played the bagpipes uh, which was some impressive feat because you know, marching and playing the bagpipes at the same time is a particularly specialist skill. And uh, there was a lot of people out while this was going on, um, just chilling in the park and with their picnic blankets and a beer and having a, a kick about with their friends on a Friday. And uh, as the evening was drawing in, and then this man appears with his bagpipes and marches through the middle of the meadows and uh, yep you can hear that so I won't put any music on the next segment so that you can hear the bagpipers uh, the bagpiper live live from Edinburgh and uh, yeah I'll I'll um, without further ado I'll be cracking on with with that part of the podcast at this point in the festival month when a year when festivals were were going ahead 
the excitement would still be very much on the ascendant and tomorrow would be the day that the book festival would be due to start. Now, the Edinburgh International Book Festival's online programme is due to kick off tomorrow and it's it's a great programme. I'll certainly be checking out some events and I'm actually going to go and look at the online programme to see what exactly I've signed up for and what other things I might want to sign up for. One of the nice things is that frequently book festival events sell out, the most popular ones sell out very quickly, sometimes months before the festival uh, actually takes place. But with online events, I don't think there's a restriction on how many people can get a ticket. So that's exciting. Of course, it's sad that it won't be happening and there won't be that community of people coming together uh, as part of the book festival revelry because it is a festival that brings a community together uh, from all across the world really uh, as well as Scotland and the wider UK and there's faces that that appear every year regulars but also the the team themselves so I'll be thinking about them tomorrow when the online program kicks off and thinking about it's how much of a shame it is not to be able to actually catch up in person and to support the festival on the ground in its usual site of Charlotte Square. Do check out that programme though, because there's some fantastic things happening. And uh, as has been a regular occurrence in recent years, uh, the First Minister will be chairing an event with Booker Prize winner Bernadine Neveristo. Who uh, is so she's being interviewed by the First Minister at her book festival event. I'm pretty sure that would have sold out and been inaccessible if it had taken place in a physical venue, but presuming it won't be if it's online, obviously somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, thinking about all the exhibitions and the and the shows and the music events and all the things that would be happening right now and the smorgasbord of too much choice that would be in front of us as as festival city dwellers and the fact that we might just be a bit exhausted and not really want to do any of it already by this this point in the month it's strange because there's really not very much happening uh, at all in the city I'm in the meadows just now and it's quite noisy and lively. There's quite a lot of people out with their friends and there's somebody playing the bagpipes in the distance which may be able to be picked up by this microphone. So there's a little bit of, you know, the spirit of the festival still lingering around in the air. Not the same, but, you know, just keeping the dream alive. guess if the festivals really are a key asset for Scotland's economy then that makes what we do next even more important in a, in a national sense. But also we're looking at how it balances out in terms of people wanting to live here and Edinburgh being an economic centre, you know, it's it's a maybe a bit dramatic to say, but we don't want to end up in a city that is just hollowed out 
by holiday lets and tourist accommodation and student accommodation because then this will be an economic centre in Scotland that's irreplaceable really and there won't be anyone living here uh, and and that's not on the cards right now but if things continue in the trajectory that they are it's a possibility nobody wants to nobody wants to think about that potentially happening nobody wants to face up to a kind of future where residents residents are actually priced out of the city and perhaps spread out into the suburbs which are already more expensive places to live on the whole and then the commuter belt around Edinburgh which is also extremely pricey anything within commuting distance of Edinburgh is quite quite astonishingly inflated compared to nearby places in the in the central belt and the borders and and Fife so it's something where nobody necessarily has has a, a full picture of the implications but if the festivals don't manage to go ahead next year then we'd be looking at a real sense of threat to those festivals and, and also to Scotland's economy to the tune of one billion pounds and we need to think about whose pockets that money would be going into as well and how they're investing in the city uh, and whether that's being managed appropriately. If you go back to the episode the other day about citizen voices, you know, just one example of a tourist industry philanthropy project which nobody now knows what exactly will be happening with that and that may be down to COVID uncertainty on the whole but it's also uh, I think something like 5 million was being put in by Norman the the Apex chief and uh, who knows who knows what will happen to that project and whether that will be on the cards and if that does go ahead how it will be managed and what it will actually do in the city, what what place it will have in terms of our economy, in terms of citizens and uh, in terms of our public spaces as well and in terms of our live music scene which is a very important key area of worry at the moment because a lot of our live music venues have shut down and not been replaced. Friday the 14th of August and it's 10 days since I recorded an episode about the young people that I saw around Edinburgh and thinking about what they must be going through at the moment and also that was the day where the results, the exam results had come out which were a lot of them were downgraded from their prelim results and there was an outcry and so here we are just 10 days later and that decision to downgrade those 
pupils grades has been reversed in Scotland and then we're seeing now the results separately managed exam results in England have come out um, and a similar downgrading has taken place and at the moment there's no sign of any budging from the government in, in England to reverse that decision and so it's quite astonishing how quickly events have changed and moved forward uh, especially given everything that's going on schools have also gone back and up and down the country uh, children in their brand new uniforms are being photographed on doorsteps and ready to go into primary one or primary three or primary seven or their first year of high school maybe and uh, this is another movement forward in in the new normal as people keep talking about it and uh, it's just yeah makes me think about the fact that the difference in approach between Scotland and England in this pandemic throughout this time has been marked and it's been causing some shifts in attitudes you know there's been murmurs amongst people I know about people they they know too who were definitely 100% against Scottish independence and have now changed their minds and from a few different sources I've heard about people's sort of remarkable shifts in attitude towards Scotland and Scottish independence during this time and the strength of leadership that's been shown by Nicola Sturgeon and the the fact that you know there is this difference in approach and this moving away from like you know visibly moving away from the policies of Westminster government and taking our own approach in Scotland to dealing with problems and to dealing with issues like the exam results too and yeah it's also bringing to mind the fact that we're facing really difficult times economically and politically uh, and we've not even probably begun to see those effects really kicking in and locally in Edinburgh you know we've got the context of Brexit the wider the wider implications for Edinburgh of the the UK leaving the European Union hanging over us the possible uh, impacts of Scotland potentially leaving the UK and becoming independent in in the next few years possibly and then the huge impact that the festivals make and arguably with economic tough times coming you know it, it is the last thing that we want to do to be thinking about the how we would scale back on the festivals uh, but that's only looking at it from the economic perspective and not from other perspectives which I'm going to talk about so last year the economic impact of the festivals was valued in a in a 
a report using completely new metrics to, to value the economic impact of, of the festivals at £1 billion. Pounds. And that is the highest that that's ever been that's ever been reported at and that's taking into account sort of f- further reaching um measures such as just the the additional spending of people when they come to festivals uh, visitors and tourists alike and uh, also some other numbers would be that tourism is has been most recently valued the impact of tourism in edinburgh uh, has is said to be around 14 billion pounds so if you look at it that way the tourism overall being valued at 14 billion and the festivals being valued at 1 billion gives you gives you an idea of the fact that the festivals are not the whole picture when it comes to tourism. Now, it's only as recently as 2016, so three years before that report last year, that the festivals were being valued as having an economic impact of 300 million odd, uh, so approximately 300 million which is a third of what it's now being valued at and it's unclear whether the valuation the big difference in those three years is because of the the metrics used or or because of actual growth or further commerciality of the festivals but it's certainly a big leap uh, whether it's a leap in recognition of what the, the festivals are actually bringing economically or it's perhaps a leap in in growth over the past few years it certainly feels as a as a resident and also as a festival goer that all of the festivals have been growing and the commercial measures that happen in, in Edinburgh around about the festivals every year have been also increasing so things like the pop-up bars that I mentioned but also certain festival operations extending so for example the the there being more pop-up venues as well uh, that are that are putting on shows around the city We, we have to recognise that we are going to be facing some really economic tough times and especially looking at Scotland's changing economy and how things like oil and uh, finance are not as strong in our in our economy as they as they have been in previous years and that tourism and whiskey and arts are apparently our new strong points for Scotland. It's it's certainly a significant thing to be looking at the festivals and 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 thinking about how to how to go forward with them, and obviously very much hoping that they'll be able to take place in future years. So I'm 
thinking about the way that money is flowing into certain pockets and then perhaps seeming to be flowing out of those pockets and into the city again to contribute to our live music scene and to provide more cultural activity in the city and how the the absence of of citizens' voices from these conversations might make them turn out to be just further commercial-dominated projects. We're seeing huge amounts of student accommodation developments in the city in recent years as well, and and uh, there's been concern over those, and and also how they impact the sort of the the rental market, and whether or not that would make the rental the rents go down in the city, perhaps a less demand for private rented accommodation because more students are staying in these student accommodations, these purpose-built complexes. Um, but it's all, you know, there. It's it's like a a large and complicated system just within this one city with so many different actors in it. And I know this has been quite an unstructured podcast in terms of just thinking about all these different all these different factors. Uh, but that's, you know. When I'm when I'm thinking about these questions, I don't necessarily have answers. I have some ideas, but I don't have answers as to how these can be fixed, you know, or or made to work better for the city. But I think overall, there does feel like there's a an overall risk and a threat hanging in the air that commercial interests are becoming too powerful in the city and they are dominating. And uh, unfortunately, although I love the festivals and I and I support the festivals and I want them to continue, and they are undoubtedly a huge boon to culture and internationalism and just Scotland's place in the world and our our leadership in terms of culture and progressiveness, they are also becoming part of that that problem and yeah it's just I don't want to be reductive about it I don't want to set up a a, a conversation that is two-sided it's like one side against the other and uh, there you know I think that that's not the way that we solve the issues in our society I think we have to accept complexity and we have to accept that it takes time to find solutions and that we do have to involve other voices and that may not be the most you know efficient way of reaching an answer but it's definitely a, a, a much better way of reaching the right answers anyway I'd love to hear from you and thank you if you've been tuning in to all the podcasts so far uh, we're almost halfway through the month now and there's just a nice little band of loyal listeners who've been tuning in and uh, I just want to say thank you to you all for doing that and for also for all the people who've gotten in touch thank you I've been loving receiving your messages and your thoughts and please do keep them coming and I want to have more of your voices involved in this podcast and I have got some brilliant guests 
will be coming up in the next week or so so let me know if you would like to join in and be involved even if it's just sending a voice message or sending me an email that I can read and uh, let me know if you see any interesting news as well because that's something that's been happening throughout the recording of this podcast people have been flagging up pieces of news and announcements that have been made to me so that I can be aware of them and incorporate them into the podcast so thank you for listening and until tomorrow when I'll be back with another episode please take care and enjoy your weekend <laughs>